0: Hi, gente, welcome to Peruvian City USA, the podcast where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. This is your host, Natalie Sofia, and this community was born from the need to create a space for Peruvian immigrants to come together, to support each other, to learn from each other, and to document our stories. The stories our guests share with us are deeply personal and paint a new portrait of what it means to be a Peruvian immigrant. I hope you receive these stories with an open heart and an open mind. So, let's get started. This season of Peruvians of USA is brought to you by Ana Isabel Photography. Are you looking for a photographer who can capture your piece of history? Look no further. Ana Isabel specializes in everything from weddings to family portraits, and she's here to help you show up as your best self in every shot. She knows that having your photo taken can be nerve-wracking, but she is committed to making the experience seamless and stress-free for you. Her goal is to capture your essence in every photo and make you feel comfortable throughout the day. With her expert eye and attention to detail, she will freeze time together with you, creating beautiful images that you can revisit whenever you want to spark a memory. Whether you're looking for stunning wedding photos or timeless family portraits, Ana Isabel has the skills and expertise to bring your vision to life. So why wait? Contact Anna at anisabelphotography.com today to book your session and start creating memories that will last a lifetime. All right. Welcome, Anaïs, so to Thank you for being here today. I'm really excited to talk to you and learn about your music project, learn about
1: your Peruvian heritage. So, Anaïs, please introduce yourself to the audience of Peruvian society. Yes, thank you, Natalie. Um, hi, my name is Anaïs. I use they/them pronouns, and I am a music teacher and a composer and singer songwriter producer. Yeah, that's basically it. And um, I guess a fun fact about myself, everything I am currently wearing is secondhand. So I, I'm really into thrifting and uh hamny downs and friends giving friends clothing, clothing swaps. For actually the earrings. You, I mean, obviously listeners can't see it, but I have these really cute earrings. This um Chilean American artist Luna Sangre made um, they're custom made with little yamitas and nice. some flowers.
0: <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah, and we're uh, we're actually we'll probably share a couple clips of clips on this on Instagram accounts. So like they'll get to see your ears. <laughs> okay, yeah,
1: yeah. Luna Sangre, she did an amazing job.
0: <laughs> All right. We'll tanger, Luna Sangre. <laughs> um, yeah, and I love the fact that you do like the clothing shops. Just because like um recently, not to take it in a tangent, but like like buying new clothes just generates so much trash in this world. Mm-hmm. And like um, yeah, anyway. Love it. We can talk about that after. <laughs> okay. So let's dive a little bit into your Peruvian heritage. Tell us, were you born in Peru? Your parents had to end up in the West Coast?
1: Yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty wild story. Yeah, I was born in Lima, Peru, and that's where my parents met. And that's where we were living until I think, I, I don't even know that I was even a year old. I was some months old and... um story goes, legend says that my dad got a letter in the mail and it was a letter saying that he had won the visa lottery and it had like a visa lottery number on it. And he was like, this has to be like, this (laughs) this is just not right. And then I don't know, something around a week later, my mom gets another letter and with her name and a different lottery number. And it says that she won the visa lottery. And so then at this point, she's like, okay, this would not, Like if this was a scam, it would have to be like a really good scam because it's like they have the different lottery numbers. It's all, you know, pretty customized. And so they started calling family members and friends and just like asking around like what happened? What is going on? You know, Um, and then they call my paternal grandfather and he just starts cracking up. And he says, for the past like couple years, I've been putting everybody's Everybody in our family is like names in the visa lottery to see if anything would land. Because at the time, my grandfather was living in Miami. Um, okay. He he was a visual artist and he was just based in the U.S. at the time, um, even though he is Peruvian as well. And yeah, so he just cracked up and he's like, yeah, no, you actually like won the visa lottery. Um, <laughs> and it was wild because they both had separate numbers. My parents weren't married at the time. And so... Uh-huh it was like, yeah, it was just super like destined, one of those yeah. kinds of things that then you start believing in, you know, the universe, higher powers, destiny, all of that. That's one of those moments that allows you to do that. And so, you know, my parents took a, took it really seriously and said, you know, this is for Anais. I mean, I was like a tiny, tiny baby at the time. Um, So yeah, then, you know, they ended up getting married to make sure that if they gave the visa to only one of them, that it was still the family could stay together and um, come to the U.S. And so by the time I was four years old, we actually ended up establishing ourselves here in California. And so I grew up in the in the Bay Area, Northern California. Yeah. Wow.
0: That's like uh, that's very fortunate. Like two members of the family at once. Yeah. Uh, You say it was Uh your grandfather, right? He was like answering everybody's name.
1: Yeah. Luis Arias Vera. What a what a guy! I call him my abueloco, abueloco, <laughs> my abuelindo, and my abueloco.
0: Depends, depends on how Depende del día,
1: Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah
0: great man. Wow, uh, and you said he was a visual artist, so like art is in your runs in your family, use. yeah.
1: Both of my parents are visual artists video artists and poets so they're what? they do they do really they cover all the bases of art except for music neither of them dedicated themselves to music so I guess I filled in the blanks kind of yeah. subconsciously but they're both really deep music appreciators and I was really lucky because it never felt like an issue that right. I like, wanted to pursue the arts you right. know like I remember for a second I thought maybe I should be a lawyer and my dad was like I don't know about that you know <laughs> like <laughs> so it was pretty funny it was kind of an opposite it's situation. the opposite reaction that most of us get <laughs> from our parents
0: i my so i'm not autistic it was unfortunately not value of my family it was more like i took um clarinet like one week of clarinet lessons and then my mom was like no we're gonna put you in math lessons <laughs> so it took me away from music so unfortunately not something that you know i grew up with and it's something that i do kind of regret I mean it's not my fault I didn't you know Mm -hmm. I didn't read myself but like I kind of regret that I didn't grow up with because I see the people that did grow up with music and it's it's a way that you express what you feel and it's a way that you connect with others and it's a way that you it's a gift that you give to others and you know the impact you have on them and so um yeah I'm always jealous of musical people because I'm not
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, you know, I always say, I'm since I'm a music teacher too, you know, I always say it's never too late to learn. I sure. genuinely think, I've, I've had experiences with adult students that, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's best when you're a kid because you learn so fast. But it's amazing how quickly you learn when you really want to learn too. Yeah. And so yeah. like, I've seen adults like get things like really quick just because they're so invested in it so right. you know yeah. if you ever want to learn you know yeah. the instruments yeah. the music the music is not <laughs> going away hopefully anytime soon
0: that's true that's true that's a good that's a good point maybe i'll take maybe that'll be another project for me in 2023. hey <laughs> just start learning <laughs> music <laughs> all right so let's talk about your
1: latest music project um vulnerable mm-hmm. or roller um yes. that was about it yeah yeah well actually like you just said it i feel like a lot of people have been telling me like, oh, you're EP Vulnerable. And in my head, it's Vulnerable. In my head, it's always in <laughs> Spanish. But I also specifically chose that title because it is um, it is the same. It means the same thing in English and in Spanish, and it's spelled the same way. And so I actually have a running list of words on like my notes app of like all the words that are written the same and mean the same in Spanish and English for like future projects. And oh, so- I love that. Yeah, we we'll we'll see. I'll I'll try to pull it up in a second. But um yeah, so this one's vulnerable and I mean the reason for that is specifically because it is a bilingual five song EP. So there's some songs that are like mostly in Spanish with like a couple words in English and then there's some there's a song that's like fully in Spanish and then one that's like mostly in English with like a section in Spanish, you know? It's just like es parte de quien soy, you know? And I love that this is a bilingual Uh, spanglish podcast so yeah (laughs) uh, yeah yeah that's a little bit about like the name and stuff at least yeah yeah so what
0: um when did you start writing what was the first song you wrote and like what inspired that song
1: yeah 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 the first song of these that i wrote i believe is something radical and that one um I actually I wrote it on this device I have called Vocal Looper, and people, if people have seen my like Instagram and stuff, like it's I I have some videos of me looping stuff. Um, but yeah, it's I wrote it initially. I was I was on a walk, and who inspired it really was my friend. She was going through a really a really difficult relationship, and uh, it just she made me think of like, you know, she's trying so hard to break free from these patterns of like wanting to fall back into things that she knows aren't good for her. I mean, this was many years ago. And like, luckily, she's in a really great place now. <laughs> um, but at the time, what what inspired that song was this feeling of like, in order to like make radical change, we have to love ourselves. Um, and so we have to make decisions out of love and compassion. And that radical change can be something like getting yourself out of a toxic relationship, or it can be like addressing your internalized racism internalized white supremacy it could be like anything or it could be like okay in order for me to like get out of the habit of throwing laundry all over my floor and then getting confused at like what what my clean and dirty laundry are then I have to do something radical I gotta like get organizing systems you know whatever it is like it just requires a lot of love and compassion I feel like you know um, it's easy to fall into shame about like oh, I'm like still in this relationship or, oh, I can't like manage to keep my room clean or like, oh, I still like have my like subconscious bias or whatever it is. And right. so if we have love to ourselves, um, like we actually are much more capable of making progress. So yeah. that's kind of what inspired that first song. That's a long description. For no, no, song. yeah. I guess it It's just also reminds me
0: that like we cannot hate ourselves to like be better. Like you can't hate yourself to be better, right? So and that's something I learned uh, a couple of years ago, too, when I was going through like, you know, weight loss is a big conversation here in this country and this mm-hmm. culture. And so I remember thinking, I got to a point where it was like, I'm not going to hate myself then. Like, it's just like never going to happen. And then um, because it's just, it doesn't create good feelings. You start, you know, you you start judging yourself and being so judgmental. And then you're not taking that step. And then once you really start appreciating who you are, you start making those radical changes like you mentioned right Mm -hmm. like you see how valuable your life and you are and then and like that's what i love about that message of that song because you're like do it gently do it Mm -hmm. with love for yourself you know Mm -hmm.
1: so that's awesome um and so this you send it down Mm -hmm. was written a while ago what yeah i guess i wrote it before the pandemic hit i wrote it i mean i think it was like January 2020 potentially okay. is when I wrote it yeah. so right before I think yeah. all of the songs I think the song that I that I wrote last was probably I'm like I'm wondering the order of this uh, it's all a blur the one that I think is it is, has like a fascinating kind of little story is the title track vulnerable because I wrote it I started writing it um New Year's Eve so the last day of 2020 I started writing it and then I finished writing it in in 2021 yeah so it was just it was cool I I wrote like a little piano the piano melody I had this little toy red piano um that I got like from Craigslist like really really cool like a, a children's uh toy and I that's where I wrote the song and I actually already had in in a journal entry at the time, like I was, I was really, I mean, I've been, I'm like very pro go to talk therapy. I love going to talk therapy and I've been going for like 10 years now and, um, I had some journal entry about like how to tell myself that I'm enough. And it was like the song lyrics came from just a gen- journal entry that I kind of just like put on top of, this little piano melody i came up with on this toy so there's something like kind of childlike nostalgia about it in like the way that i wrote it and also just like in general i think the intention of any and all the music that i make is just like honestly to to move forward my own healing and then sharing it in the hopes that it might help other people move through their own healing as well yeah
0: um, so for uh, members of our audience who have not heard your music, how would you describe your music and how does um, being Peruvian influence? How did all your identities influence uh, music, right? Because we're not just Peruvians. I mean, that's a big part of who mm-hmm. we are, but we also live in the U.S. We also have all other experiences that we bring into like everything we do. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: share share with us that.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I actually, I wrote a song about wanting to put all of my identities together it's um it's an earlier single it's called mi piel and um yeah it's about this like okay how how does being a teacher being a queer person being um non-binary being an immigrant being peruvian growing up in california like all of these things how do all of these things add to who i am and i think one thing in terms of like the a part of my that became part of my identity and like especially musical identity and musical influence is actually salsa and um when I was in undergrad in Boston I was in a salsa band and it really changed my life it was the first time I was studying classical music at the time so writing for orchestra and and you know kind of this um I I, I always said I I went I didn't go to conservatory but I went to like preservatory of like preserving this like Western classical, like white history of music and then trying to like advance that art form forward somehow. And I had my qualms with it. And so to to like find something so liberating of like being with salsa was amazing because it was a music of the diaspora, right? Like the New Yorkian music, right? And so that the idea that this is a music that kind of brings together all Latinos, like Afro Latinos, white Latinos, and Latinos in Latin America and Latinos in the U.S. It was like the ultimate music of just like of Latinidad for me at at the time when I found it. And still for me, it's like so, so, so important. And I also grew up dancing it. So it was amazing to like uh, get to a place where I was making that music. And so I I really got into studying like Afro-Latin rhythms, especially like Afro-Cuban music and Afro-Colombian music. And I think that like, the, percussion, the percussive aspects of Afro-Latin music have definitely influenced what is otherwise, I feel like, a very kind of ethereal classical taste that I tend to have with a more experimental, maybe like white Western experimental edge usually. But I think that that percussion is so influential to me as part of my Latin American roots and my identity as a Latinx person in the U.S.
0: Yeah, I love that you have this, um, that duality and that. of so, like the classical with my salsa, I think that's awesome. What um, what was your biggest takeaway from being in that salsa group?
1: Honestly, I, it was that I could sing in Spanish. I I'd, had never like sung in Spanish with a band. Like yeah. I'd sung some things in Spanish. I always loved singing. And honestly, even where I was, I was studying classical music as a composer which means i never took center stage as a performer i was writing music behind the scenes and wrote it for other people to come on stage and do it for me and so it was the takeaway was that like i could be an entertainer and a performer and that i could do it in spanish and that was amazing for me
0: yeah um one thing um with salsa and i don't know if you sort of when you were going through uh when you were in the salsa group um and and singing um the phrases we use to express our emotions seem mm-hmm. a lot more intense. <laughs> and
1: yeah. then, go ahead. No, just that it's it definitely intense. And I think there's a lot of very highly political salsa too, which yeah. I love it. It's like, you know, thinking about La Rebellion and talk like by, um, oh, wow, Joe Arroyo, right? Arroyo. Yeah, Joe Arroyo. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, like, it's literally a song about slavery. slavery. <laughs> and, and everybody just dancing, dancing your heart out <laughs> and it's I think about that I also think about Ruben Blades you know Plastico yeah. a song like an anti-capitalist song about yeah. New York uh vanities yeah and then you're just dancing your heart out you know yeah. I just I I loved that about it about like being sneaky about your message and not even sneaky being very overt lyrically yeah. overt about your message But it's yeah. so danceable that yeah. like Yeah, let's, like, dance and change the world, you know? Yeah, and (laughs) Gran
0: Barón. Oh, my God, so many sounds. Gran Barón, too. Like to be heard that one?
1: I haven't. I haven't. I got to add it to my list.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely send it to you. And Gran Barón, it's basically a father who uh, finds out his son, like, he's all proud that he has a son, like, very Matista type of mentality. And I think his son uh, basically uh, chooses to uh, identify as a woman. And that the whole song is about that. <laughs> oh, wow. What? Where have I been? Okay. Back. Yeah. And wow. that's a, it's not grand verong, And so, and like people are dancing and, like, and you know, it, it tells a story. It's, it tells the story. It does not have a happy ending, but like, yeah, definitely listen, listen to it. It's very impressive. And so, yeah. So before we started recording, I was sharing with you a little bit that I was listening to vulnerable and like some of the emotions I had. So, I'll share first the emotions I had, and maybe then you can share with us sort of what you want the people who listen to it to kind of take away or how to how you want them to make them feel or what lessons you want them to get from from you know Vulnerable as a whole and so, when I listened to it, I mentioned <laughs> to Anais that I felt and this is the only second time I felt this, and it it felt very much like I was being. Hypnotized and hopefully that doesn't have a negative connotation to anybody, but it just has very sounds that are very, I would say that are just very uh, like welcoming to kind of relax into and to that makes you, that also makes you step away and start sort of connecting to yourself. And I mentioned to NAEs that we live in such a world that it's super hyperactive. activity is like everywhere and we're trying to be the most productive people ever. And so this song allowed me to sort of slow down a bit. And I usually listen to songs that are kind of like energizing in a different way, more like energizing in a productive way, like get the sun, get the sun, get the sun. And this was energizing in a more soothing way, in a more like be present way. And yeah, it's the second time I felt this. I don't remember the first song that I listened to that I, I felt, but it was such a vivid feeling. <laughs> Yeah. So I just wanted to share that with you.
1: <laughs> no, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that. And I feel like just the music nerd that I am, I'm like, I think I know what made it feel hypnotizing. Like it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of vocal looping. Like I said, it's like a practice I have. And so I think things in general that are hypnotizing are repetitive, right? Or like things that can like kind of relax you into something, right? Like, um, Like even like a mantra, something you say to yourself again and again, it's like, something that an idea that you can relax into um so i feel like first of all i feel honored to listen to your experience i feel like i don't get to hear everybody's experience with my music and so it's a real privilege to be able to hear that and also yeah i think the looping can can bring can bring about those sensations i know sometimes when i'm performing the songs by myself like this the, the the ep has like drums and percussion too um, and like a synthesizer adding in. But when I do it by myself, just my voice and just recording live layers of my own voice on top of each other. I really I can get lost in doing it, too. And I feel like I, I like my best performances of, for example, I'm thinking about Space to Cry, which is the first one. Like the best performances I have of that song are where like I totally lose track of time, place and anything and everything. Yeah so we talked about something radical vulnerable space to cry
0: is you said there were five songs what are the other two
1: right 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 so there is yeah so something radical is the last one yeah kind of hopping around yeah yeah so space to cry first one vulnerable second one and then the third one i believe is lo quiero. and yeah that one's a tiny song it's like it's it's the shortest song I've ever written it's a minute and 21 seconds so if anyone's like oh my god hearing a whole like so long it's literally under 13 minutes you can do it I believe in it <laughs> like shorter than your commute probably um uh, yeah so it look you a- see, and you see it is now oh good good yeah there you go in LA as well oh my god in LA everybody's commute is like I don't know at least half an hour even within like three miles you know yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, so Lo Que Quiero was kind of um, an experiment for me, to be honest. I was getting into more producing my own music on the computer. You know, at that point, it was like peak quarantine just by myself, like in my room, just on the computer. And I was like, okay, let me try out some things. And I was in grad school at that point, and I was listening. I I heard a song in class that was by the late Sophie, who was an incredible trans kind of hyper pop artist, um, or who was. I mean, she still is out in the world. We have her music, it lives on forever. But Sophie wrote this song called Face Shopping. And she has these uh these words that she changes the order of the words. I let let me see if I can pull up the the lyrics. Okay, here we go. Okay, so um in Sophie's face shopping, it starts with my face is the front of shop. My face is the real shop front. My shop is the face I front. I'm real when I shop my face. (laughs) And so it's like these words, she still is using the same words, but she's just changing the order of the words. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could do this in Spanish. Okay. So then in my song, what I did in Spanish is, Quiero lo que como, no tengo lo que poseo. Tengo lo que quiero y como lo que poseo. Poseo lo que tengo y quiero lo que como. Como lo que quiero y no poseo lo que tengo. So, and and so just flipping them around and so it was an experiment trying that and um yeah that was basically it it was an experiment but also kind of um you know if if the first song is about um just wanting to find space for myself and then the second song is about feeling enough the third song lo que quiero is about like letting go of of ownership and attachment of things and just like leaning into like i'm i'm living and i get to be someone who desires things in life and like you know it's it, the the beauty of just existing and letting go a little bit more yeah um so so then the um, the fourth song is en mi cantar which is like after letting go you know of in in, in lo que quiero it's it's this en mi cantar is about welcoming love again and okay. and being able to care for yourself and others. And so this was like a long distance love song that I wrote. And and I think it really like in me cantar in the the beginning it really is like softly give yourself care. Like just t- telling a friend, like please don't be mean to yourself. Like we're often so mean to ourselves and it's just like please take care of yourself. And I hope that in the song that I'm singing that you feel my love and in it you feel inspired to love yourself is kind of the message of, of En Mi Cantar, which translates yeah. to In My Song. Yeah,
0: I love that. And I I do hope that um, folks get that message because like so many of us don't hear it from the people around us, right? So that's why music is able to comfort
1: us and, in such a way, so. Mm, yeah. Yeah, when I've, I've, su- I've sung it now in kind of like, it's, it's kind of amazing how, even though i wrote it about this like long distance relationship love since that has that relationship came to an end i feel like i i can still sing the song and find that it's so meaningful to me like i talked about like okay well what are other kind of like interdimensional long distance relationships i have you know and i thought about you know my grandfather and my grandmother my, my all my grandparents you know this like long distance relationship that i have with them wherever they may be you know in the world or in the beyond wherever it is it's it's this idea of like i can still send them my love through my song you know yeah and also like uh
0: many of us just being immigrants or being first generation right mm. like we are used to those long long distant mm. relationships with our own families back home right and Absolutely. i think and i think this song could be such a, a powerful way to send love to feel connected to know that Despite the distance, despite not being able to be, you know, twenty four seven with them and always connected, mm. because it's like sometimes, you know, we suffer immigrants, we suffer from a broken heart just because we've been ripped away from our family, right? And mm. so, um, this all could be like that connection. So, mm.
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be so lovely. And you know, I, I think you were asking me like about my intention or what I hope listeners like get out of the song and you know something i said to a friend recently is just that the minute i put out my music it's like not my responsibility anymore like what people experience with it like i'm not here to direct how people experience my music you know like i said before like my intention is to move through my own you know hardships or difficult emotions or new emotions or whatever whatever it is whether that's like love or pain or love in pain or you know, existentialism, those are some of the topics, you know, or, you know, identity, whatever it is. um, As I, like, that that's, my music is to move through that. And I, I, again, I just hope to share it um, with the intention of it resonating with someone, you know, I, I feel like it's something I became I think the reason I started even recording music is I remember I was 20 and I went to my first open mic. I had written this song about anxiety and I shared it to a friend before I even dared to go to an open mic. And she was like, Oh my God, the song is amazing. You have to do it at the open mic. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And I was so nervous. Um, but I did it. And so many people came up to me afterwards being like, Oh my God, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Like that's, I also experience anxiety or like, I also live through this and that. And and so that that's when I kind of woke up like, oh, actually being vulnerable, sharing my experience and my my life journey can be beneficial to others. And so like, why not share it? Why not be vulnerable? Like, I'm going to make this art anyway, because it's like a byproduct of my existence. Like, I live, therefore I write songs is kind of my my existence. And so I just kind of choose to share it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that's also like, um,
0: you know, it ties nicely to like the mission of this podcast, like there's um the Peruvian diaspora there's individuals out there who have been who have gone through things who have learned certain things and um why not share it with our community right so like mm-hmm. others don't have to start from scratch others don't have to start from zero and so uh and like my my purpose is really to show future generations like hey um you know the Peruvian diaspora is doing some cool things we've done We've gone through some, you know, journeys that maybe you didn't take lessons from. You don't have to start from scratch, you know. And there's there's many of us out there and like feel free to reach out, like you know. So like I wanna connect all of us, but um and I think in the way you're doing that with your music too. So
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) do you have a favorite song? Out of the five. Out of the five that from vulnerable?
1: I think vulnerable is my favorite. I, I think it's I spent I spent so long on it. I mean this, I I did not do it all by myself. I did it with my bestest friend ever, um, Gracie. And, uh, so they, they are like my, my co-producer, um, in crime, if you will. And, um, we spent so long, like we were learning how to mix and like recording engineer as we were creating this album together. Initially I did it all like in my room. And then we went to the studio and I, luckily had the resources. It was very di- DIY project. Like most of it we recorded in my bedroom together and then some of it we recorded in the studio at CalArts cuz I was a student. I was a grad student at CalArts and so we got to record there and I was learning how to mix. I had lessons cuz that was part of my my masters and so as I was learning, I was implementing, I was teaching to Gracie and then they were implementing what I taught them. It was this like really special process and with vulnerable though, like she actually Gracie went to this piano studio to record the piano herself. So she's actually playing the piano herself um, at this studio where there's also this instrument called the Celesta, which is this instrument that's actually used in the movie, the little mermaid. Um, And so she played on the same Celesta that was used to record for the little mermaid in Los Angeles. And so it's really, yeah, it's super, it's super special that, that she did that. And so I think there's, it was a true labor of love, like, all the effort that we went through to get like, you no, know, we want like a real piano in the song. And then it's like, oh, there's a Chalessa. Let's just record it on Chalessa too. Like, why not? Um, which is like such a magical fairy type instrument. And then of course, um, when Gracie started recording, the crickets all came alive. And so you can hear in the background, if you really tune in, there's crickets in the background of Vulnerable. And ah, um, that's so, that's so like, that's you, of, I, yeah. there's a lot of, sorry. yeah, sounds of nature as well. So, yeah, yeah, it has a lot of special special details there and then, you know, um working with a live drummer too was like amazing. Um Greg Miles Lewis, he was really great and then the bassist uh, uh Lucy Clifford, she was also really amazing in the process. Like the drummer and the bassist really added a lot to it. Um the music that I had done otherwise in my bedroom. So more more humans give it more life. Oh, it's really <laughs> special. That's
0: awesome. Um, so I also and all that uh you did the NP Tiny Desk test.
1: Yeah. How was that experience? Uh, I mean, I've I've submitted to the contest every year since I found out about it. I, I'm I'm due to make another submission sometime soon because I know the contest is open again. My my personal commitment is that I will be submitting to the contest until I get to play at the desk in DC, and then maybe I can visit you. If I I, play at the desk, that would be awesome. That would be awesome if you get, yeah. I was like, yes, please let me know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, that it would, it would be, it would be amazing. But no, it's always, it's honestly a really great creative challenge every time the contest comes around because it's always like me thinking, okay, which song should I do? And then like, what desk should I use? And where should I be? I should, and I always try to find like weird locations to do it in or like magical like locations to to record. I think if you saw the tiny desk. That I submitted last year was actually with the red toy piano I was talking to you mm-hmm. about that I used to write *Vulnérable* on. So um that's yeah, it's it's a it's a good way to to stay creative and inspired. And hopefully one day I will play the actual desk. For for
0: for folks that are not as familiar with the NPR uh, tiny desk, can you share like exactly what it is and how it works out and how it works? Like do we- do they just, uh, so it's every year, right? And they accept submission?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, they have a tiny desk contest series that I believe Bob Boylan started. He's a music journalist and a musician in his own right. I forget how many years ago he started, but he started a long time ago and he's just invited up and coming artists to perform at his literal office desk at NPR. And so what started as just kind of like a fun, silly project became actually a kind of like breeding ground for emerging artists to gain more visibility like you know i mean to the point that also established artists have then the 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 desk has gained such reputation that now established artists have played there when they're already established like Billie eilish has performed there taylor swift has performed there you know um so now i think it's like a a co-curated experience like people all different music journalists and npr invite artists however every year what has become Tradition is every year they do an open call to any and all independent unsigned artists living in the u s to submit a song a live performance of a song the of an original song of their own to get the opportunity like to enter basically into um the opportunity of getting to play at the desk and to go on tour as well so I think yeah, there's been some amazing tiny desk winners that have then gone on to um sorry, tiny desk contest winners that have then gone on to win Grammys. Fantastic Negrito. He was oh. he was someone who played the t- tiny desk and then I think within a year won a Grammy. Wow. So really it, it it really is a is is a really special opportunity for independent artists to yeah. get the word out. And they're also really good at highlighting artists, even if they don't win, they write like articles about it. And so I got an article written about myself once because I was the first person to submit a tiny desk contest entry. I was the first entry of the year oh, um, nice. in 2020. So that I've... was, that was a fun little thing that happened. I've... Is it, um, do, um uh, does the public get to vote or is it completely like, um, like Internal. It's internal. There's a panel okay. of judges. Like we do know yeah. who the judges are okay. and, um, But yeah, it's it's totally internal. But what's really cool, there's some cities that I believe do their own votings too, just like tiny best tiny desk of like the state. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think Massachusetts did that for a while. Okay. So.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I know that Peruvians, if there's one thing we do, is vote like
1: that's how we get yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> well actually Susana speaking of Peruvians Susana Baca has been on the tiny desk uh-huh yeah I saw that yeah He was yeah. on the tiny desk but I remember
0: like uh you know with Peruvians voting like who was the best country at the world cup who has the best whatever and like everybody just like
1: floods. <laughs> no Peruvians <down. laughs> we are really proud I definitely I think every time I have a concert I'm always like Yes, so my name is Anais Azul. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm Peruvian. Yeah. Like, that, that's it. And then then we we continue with the show. Yeah,
0: that's a key piece you want everybody to know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I feel like it's, it's hard. Like, right now, I feel like in my music, it's hard to pinpoint, like, what is specifically Peruvian about you... my music. However, <laughs> it's like me. Yeah, exactly. It's me. <laughs> I'm the Peruvian part of my music. And I think yeah. that's also something that I think, is just good to talk about especially I I don't know why this comes to mind but like in language classes and we teach like oh Peruvian music or Mexican music and then we teach like folkloric music but and, and and which is so important folkloric music is key and also there are still Mexican people and Peruvian people and people of various ethnicities continuing to make music in the present day and so it's important to also like acknowledge that
0: yeah yeah i mean like to your point there's a variety of music um in peru and it's not just folkloric it's just all over the place right like it yeah
1: so. and even uh, the folkloric music in peru is so vast i mean afro-peruvian music andean music it's just like it's infinite and right now i'm on this beautiful beautiful journey um learning the charango, and oh, its wow. it's like the, one of the most like sacred music learning experiences I've ever undergone I've been learning for I started learning in July of 2022 Mm -hmm. and it's just like oh my god the way that it's brought me closer to my roots has been amazing and so I'm actually I don't know maybe by the time this episode is out my new song will be out I wrote like an experimental like a kind of ambient charango piece um, where I'm also um, singing in Quechua which wow. I'm learning right now as well wow. it's this whole part of part of a whole like diaspora coming coming back to my roots kind of journey yeah. that's happening right yeah. now so Anais where do you
0: want your music to take you like what are future plans you have ambition let's speak it into the universe so they come oh, no.
1: on. <laughs> thank <laughs> you Natalie yes <laughs> I'm all about manifesting <laughs> I have a little board here yeah that um, and I love. That, <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's like you know it's I I I think it's like a realistic vision board, but I'm I'm hoping to I I definitely want a tour. I love performing, and I would really love my music to just take me everywhere across the world. To be to be really honest, I'm I'm hoping fingers crossed that I can perform in Bombay this year and in Japan as well. I'm I'm hoping that this is possible. I'm speaking it into the universe yes. as you as you yes. said. Yeah. And just to tour the U.S. a little bit more, get to tour more of California um, now that show, live shows are back. I, I really had gained a momentum right before the pandemic and I had two tours lined up and then it all went away. And in some ways, I'm I'm really, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it was it was really tragic. And I also got to produce this really uh, important body of work, Vulnerable, um, that now is is something I have as a testament of that time period and um yeah i think right now it's it's been a slow process because then i got into grad school and things happen and life happens all the time and and now i want to really take this ep and and share it with the world uh performing more so um yeah i hope that this music takes me all over the world truly yeah wow. and i hope
0: that for you too i do hope that it takes you all over the world brings you here to dc for the tiny yeah. death master <laughs> <That's the river. laughs> um so if um if our audience wants to support you they
1: want to listen to women and they want to connect with you how can they do that yeah well i'm pretty active on instagram as far as like keeping up with new releases and things i'm also pretty active on spotify i i like make playlists there with everything but my music is available on all streaming platforms so amazon music itunes or apple music um everywhere youtube it, it's it's all over the place. So um easy to find. As far as I know, there's no other musicians named Anais Azul. So <laughs> I think that you'll be able to find it there. Yeah. I mean the best the best way to support is listen and share it with your friends if it resonates with you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. thus we wrap up.
0: What is that one message you want our uh, members of her audience to take away from a conversation?
1: Hmm. That vulnerability inspires empathy. And so please allow yourself to do that and to have love and grace with yourself. Thank you, Nice. That was really beautiful. I really appreciate your time. And, you know, let's stay connected and I will be happy to please, support you in any way I can. Thank you so much for holding space and for bringing us uh, Peruvian diasporans together on the internet.
0: <laughs> it's been my pleasure. It's been fun for sure.
1: Ok, so, Anaís, una de las preguntas que me olvidé, ahora voy a hablar.
0: Voy <risa> ok, perfecto. Que <risa> okay, me olvidé preguntarte, eran o sea, los videos. Yo vi el video de Healing y me encantó. Uh, me encantó el video, uh, me encantó que se tenía ese senti- sentido de openness, tú sabes, uh, estás en el video, estás en un, como en un um, lapsoe, en una sofa, en medio del campo comienza. Háblanos de cómo te inspiras para, estos, para tus videos musicales, que cómo, um, ¿Cómo fabricas tu visión y cómo lo uh, conectas a tu música?
1: Mm, sí, bueno, eh, eh, la visión, de, eh, tengo dos videos eh, en, en línea ahorita, ese de Healing y Analysis Paralysis, y esos dos los hice con un, un colaborador increíble en Boston que se llama Guadalupe Campos, que es director de, de videos y bueno, ya luego hizo videos musicales para otros amigos también que están increíbles. Um, pero sí, o sea, a veces me vienen visiones así muy 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 específicas y me encantan los muebles, entonces me gustó, o los muebles en en healing es esta silla rosada, que era como muy importante para mí y sentí que era un símbolo interesante para representar lo que es la comodidad y también como el comfort zone y cómo es salir de tu comfort zone pero llevarte tu comfort zone contigo no porque estoy con, con la silla en el tren la silla en el bosque la silla en diferentes lugares um, y así igual como el colchón que, que está que está en analysis paralysis era como esta pregunta de qué cuál es la comodidad cuál es la incomodidad que creo que es era Un tema en esa etapa De de música mía Que ahora creo que no es algo que exploro tanto Sin embargo Es algo que sí es es relevante Y creo que en ese entonces era bien importante Porque aún era Estaba como que Llegando a mi identidad como persona no binaria Y, y parte de eso de la comunidad y la incomodidad era parte de mi exploración con mi identidad propia que es algo con lo cual me siento más cómoda ahora entonces no es algo que estoy exactamente explorando de esa misma forma pero sí, era algo, a mí me encanta la idea de la simbología y las metáforas con las imágenes y amo los videos musicales en general y pues no he tenido la oportunidad de hacer uno nuevo pero estoy esperando, ahorita estoy colaborando con alguien así no, no voy a... No voy a decir para ver que no hay expectativas, pero claro, sí. se vienen cositas. Y
0: uh, bueno, tal vez no, no
1: te iba a preguntar
0: de, de todas las canciones. Puedes decir cuál canción o no quieres comentar todavía cuál canción sería en realidad. Uy.
1: Oh, uy chibini, chibini. Pero sí, es del EP.
0: De, del EP se vienen del cositas.
1: Del, del, EP. Cositas. del EP se vienen ah, okay. cositas. Ahí, claro. ahí lo dejo.
0: <risa> Sí, porque ahí tienes un montón de canciones, muy, muy buenas canciones, y me, me, me gustaría ver el video. O sea, ¿qué visión tienes para la para sí, música? Especialmente. Sí, bueno,
1: sí. Me encanta que ahorita he estado he estado hablando de ideas para varias de las canciones con diferentes artistas, directores, y y me encanta que ahorita estoy cambiando, estoy como más soltándome de, ¿Eh? de digamos, la dirección artística y decir, ok, ¿cuál es tu visión? Ya, hazlo, hazlo, ¿no? Que es, es otra. Es completamente diferente a los otros videos que hay ahí, que son como 50% mi cabeza, 50% la cabeza de, de Guadalupe, ¿no? Pero... Sí. Uh, bueno, entonces,
0: mantennos uh, al tanto de ya cuando salga tu video Ahí musical, en redes ¿eh? está,
1: arroba Anaís Azul. Ahí, Azul. Ahí, ahí se van a ver, se, se van a ver cuando, cuando salgan. Cuando salgan, videos. Sí, sí, sí. Awesome, awesome. Bueno.
0: Muchas gracias de nuevo Anaís, gracias por compartir cómo tú piensas acerca de los videos musicales y que te gusten y espero que no solamente uh, vulnerable tenga sus videos, no solamente una canción pero todos. <ríe> y que... sí,
1: yo yo, qui- yo quiero que todos, o sea, eso es algo más, quiero que mi música, toda mi música siempre tenga videos, sí, eso es algo que deseo mucho, me encanta sí. lo, lo, lo audiovisual y bueno, mientras tanto, te pueden ir a YouTube y en YouTube sí. están los videos musicales completos check them out <laughs> yes thank you
0: are you a small business looking to expand your digital footprint are you a small business looking to reach more of the peruvian diaspora in the united states consider sponsoring an episode of peruvians of usa peruvians of usa has launched its first sponsorship program if you're interested please visit peruvians slash sponsors or send us a message on instagram wanted to take a break here to share that peruvians of usa now has an online store help us spread the message that el mejor amigo de un peruano es otro peruano by visiting our online store we also have feminine versions that said la mejor amiga de una peruana es otra peruana or gender neutral versions this could be the perfect gift for a peruvian in your life visit the link on the episode notes or link in bio all right back to the episode Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.